Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. You're listening to the Wicked Library. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Season 9, Episode 4 of the Wicked Library. I'm Daniel Foytek, and today we have something special for you. Normally, this is only available to our supporters of the show at the Extra Wicked level, but thanks to our friends over at Shudder, we are going to bring you something special today. This is a wicked fairy tale as told by your librarian in the way that only he can. So, who is Shudder? Well, AMC Network Shudder is a premium streaming video service super-serving fans of all degrees with the best selection of horror and thrillers. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for only $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment, the Netflix for horror. There are new spine-tingling thrillers, shocking horrors, and edge-of-your-seat suspense added weekly, and you'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, so if you're a podcast listener, like I know you are, you can listen on your iPhone, your Android device, your iPad, and if you want to watch on the big screen, you can watch on your Apple TV, Xbox One, Amazon Fire TV, and more. Shutter has a unique collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, and blockbuster hits. As, of course, you imagine, we are fans of horror here at the Wicked Library, so we were excited to try it out ourselves, and my favorite thing about it is how well curated the collection is. A huge collection of anything is great if you can navigate it, and they've done a great job of breaking it into categories, giving you search features, and of course highlighting the great original content that they create as well. So it's easy to find something that's going to match your mood and your taste. And speaking of their original series, they have some great stuff like Dead Wax, Mandy, Stan Lee's Lucky Man, and some great upcoming new releases, Boar, which hits Shutter on 6.6, and The Night Shifter, which is coming up in just a few days on 523. Also check out collections like Vengeance is Hers, Horror Comedies, and Classic Slashers. And because you are a listener of the Wicked Library, you get to try out Shudder free for 30 days. You can go to Shudder.com, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, and use the promo code WICKEDLIBRARY, all lowercase, all one word. Again, that's Shudder.com, S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Dot com and the promo code is Wicked Library. As for our show, after you enjoy today's episode, check back later this week for a very special episode by our good friend Aaron Vleck, The Case of the Signet Ring, which is a sequel to The Case of the Black Lodge, and stars a full cast including Mary Murphy, David Alt, Erica Sanderson, Andy James Lovering, Amber Collins, and Nelson W. Piles. Now, without further ado... Let's get into today's wicked fairy tale as we learn about the young man who wishes that he could only but shudder. Once upon a time, dark, wicked tales were told. Stories of monsters and magic. 
of death, murder, and other wicked deeds. Stories of forests and of fairies and gold. Tales both delightful and tragic. Now I'll tell one, and we'll see where it leads. <laughs> Well, hello, kiddies. Are we all back for some lovely, wicked fairy tales? I sure hope so, because we've got a really, really good one this time. <laughs> I mean, they've all been good, right? Right? <laughs> anyway, this is another one from our lovely friends Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm, and this one is called The Story of the Youth Who Went Forth to Learn What Fear Was. A certain father had two sons, the elder of whom was sharp and sensible and could do everything. But the younger one was stupid and could neither learn nor understand anything. And when people saw him, they said, There's a fellow who will give his father some trouble. When anything had to be done, it was always the eldest brother who was forced to do it. But his father bade him fetch anything when it was late, or in the night time, in the way led through the churchyard, or any other dismal place, he answered, Oh no, father, I will not go there. It makes me shudder, for he was afraid. Or when stories were told by the fire at night which made the flesh creep, the listeners often said, Oh, it makes us shudder. The younger sat in a corner and listened with the rest of them and could not imagine what they could mean. They are always saying, it makes me shudder, it makes me shudder. It does not make me shudder, thought he. That, too, must be an art of which I understand nothing. Now it came to pass that his father said to him one day, Hearken to me, thou fellow in the corner there. Thou art growing tall and strong, and thou, too, must learn something by which thou can earnst the living. Look how thy brother works, but thou dost not even earn thy salt. Well, father, he replied, I am quite willing to learn something indeed if it could be managed. I should like to learn how to shudder. I don't understand that at all yet. The elder brother smiled when he heard that and thought to himself, Good God, what a blockhead that brother of mine is. He will never be good for anything as long as he lives. He who wants to be a sickle must bend himself betimes. Whatever that means, <laughs> why didn't he just say sometimes? Anyway, I digress. The father sighed and answered him, Thou shalt soon learn what it is to shudder, but thou wilt not learn thy living by that. Soon after this, the sexton came to the house on a visit, and the father bewailed his trouble and told him how his younger son was so backward in every respect that he knew nothing and learnt nothing. Just think, said he, when I asked him how he was going to earn his bread, he actually wanted to learn to shudder. If that be all, replied the sexton, he can learn that with me. Send him to me and I will soon polish him. The father was glad to do it, for he thought it will train the boy a little. The sexton therefore took him into his house and had him ring the bell. After a day or two, the sexton awoke him at midnight and bade him arise and go up to the church tower and ring the bell. Thou shalt soon learn what shuddering is, thought he, and secretly went there before him. And when the boy was at the top of the tower and turned around, 
and was just going to take hold of the bell rope, he saw a white figure standing on the stairs opposite the sounding hole. Who is there? cried he, but the figure made no reply, did not move or stir. Give an answer, cried the boy, or take thyself off, thou hast no business here at night. The sexton, however, remained standing motionless that the boy might think he was a ghost. The boy cried a second time, What dost thou want here? Speak if thou art an honest fellow, or I will throw thee down the steps. The sexton thought, He can't intend to be as bad as his words, uttered no sound and stood as if he were made of stone. Then the boy, proving he was as bad as bad can be, <laughs> called to him for the third time, and as that was also to no purpose, he ran against him and pushed the ghost down the stairs, so that it fell down ten steps and remained lying there in a corner. Thereupon he rang the bell and went home, without saying a word, went to bed and fell asleep. <laughs> I do like this boy. The sexton's wife waited a long time for her husband, but he did not come back. At length, she became uneasy and wakened the boy and asked, Dost thou know where my husband is? He climbed up the tower before thou didst. No, I don't know, replied the boy. But someone was standing by the sounding hole on the other side of the steps, and as he would neither give an answer nor go away, I took him for a scoundrel and threw him downstairs. Just go there and you will see if it was he. I should be sorry if it were. <laughs> that sounded really sincere, boy. <laughs> the woman ran away and found her husband who was lying moaning in the corner and had broken his leg. She carried him down and then with loud screams she hastened to the boy's father. Your boy, cried she, has been the cause of great misfortune. He has thrown my husband down the steps and made him break his leg. Take the good-for-nothing fellow away from our house. The father was terrified and ran thither and scolded the boy. What wicked tricks are these, said he. The devil must have put into this boy's head. Father, he replied, do listen to me. I am quite innocent. He was standing there by night like one who was intending to do some evil. I did not know who it was and I entreated him three times either to speak or to go away. Ah, said the father, I have nothing but unhappiness with thee. Go out of my sight, I will see thee no more. Yes, father, right willingly. Wait only until it is day, then I will go forth and learn how to shudder, and then I shall at any rate understand one art which will support me. Learn what thou wilt, spake the father. It is all the same to me. Here are fifty thalers for thee. Take these and go into the wide world and tell no one from whence thou comest. And who is thy father, for I have reason to be ashamed of thee. Yes, father, it shall be as you will. If you desire nothing more than that, I can easily keep it in mind. What a right bastard! <laughs> When day dawned, therefore, the boy put his fifty thalers into his pocket and went forth on the great highway, and continually said to himself, Only I could but shudder, if only I could but shudder. Then a man approached who heard this conversation which the youth was holding with himself, and when they had walked a little farther to where they could see the gallows, the man said to him, Look! 
there is the tree where seven men have married the rope maker's daughter and are now learning to fly. Sit down below it and wait till night comes and thou wilt soon learn how to shudder. If that is all that is wanted, answered the youth, it is easily done. But if I learn how to shudder as quickly as that, thou shalt have my fifty thalers. Just come back to me early in the morning. Then the youth went to the gallows, sat down below it, and waited till evening came. And as he was cold, he lighted himself a fire. But at midnight the wind blew so sharply that in spite of his fire he could not get warm. And as the wind knocked the hanged men against each other, they moved backwards and forwards. He thought to himself, Thou shiverest below the fire. But how those up there must freeze and suffer! And as he felt pity for them, he raised the ladder and climbed up, unbound one of them after the other, and brought down all seven. Then he stirred the fire and blew it, and set them all around it to warm themselves. But they sat there and did not stir, and the fire caught their clothes. So he said, Take care or I will hang you up again. The dead men, however, did not hear, but were quite silent and let their rags go on burning. On this, the young man grew angry and said, If you will not take care, I cannot help you. I will not be burnt with you. And he hung them up again, each in his turn. <laughs> I'll be right back, kiddies. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Then he sat down by his fire and fell asleep, and the next morning the man came to him and wanted to have the fifty thalers, and said, Well, dost thou know how to shudder? No, answered he. How was I to get to know? Those fellows up there did not open their mouths, and were so stupid that they let the few old rags which they had on their bodies get burnt. Then the man saw that he would not carry away the fifty thalers that day, and went away saying, One of this kind has never come in my way before. <laughs> I absolutely adore this story. Shall we continue, kiddies? I think we should. The youth likewise went his way, and once more began to mutter to himself, Ah, if I could but shudder. Ah, if I could but shudder! A wagoner who was striding behind him heard that and asked, Who art thou? I don't know, answered the youth. Then the wagoner asked, From whence thou comest? I know not. Who is thy father? That I may not tell thee. What is that thou art always muttering between thy teeth? Ah, replied the youth, I do so wish I could shudder, but no one can teach me how to do it. Give up thy foolish chatter, said the wagoner. Come, go with me, I will see about a place for thee. The youth went with the wagoner, and in the evening they arrived at an inn where they wished to pass the night. Then at the entrance of the room the youth again said quite loudly, If I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. The host, who heard that, laughed and said, If that is your desire, there ought to be a good opportunity for you here. Ah, be silent, said the hostess. 
So many inquisitive persons have already lost their lives, it would be a pity and a shame if such beautiful eyes as these should never see the daylight again. But the youth said, However difficult it may be, I will learn it, and for this purpose indeed I have journeyed forth. He let the host have no rest until the latter told him that not far from thence stood a haunted castle where anyone could easily learn what shuddering was, if he would but watch it in for three nights. Let me translate that, Kidias. If you stayed in this castle for three nights, you would learn what shuddering was. Jack? Jack. <laughs> the king had promised that he who would venture should have his daughter to wife, and she was the most beautiful maiden the sun shone on. Great treasures likewise lay in the castle, which were guarded by evil spirits, and these treasures would then be freed, and would make a poor man rich enough. Already many men had gone into the castle, but as of yet, none had come out again. The youth went the next morning to the king and said that if he were allowed, he would watch three nights in the enchanted castle. The king looked at him, and as the youth pleased him, said, Thou mayest ask for three things to take into the castle with thee, but they must be things without life. Then he answered, I ask for a fire, a turning lathe, and a cutting board with a knife. The king had these things carried into the castle for him during the day. When night was drawing near, the youth went up and made himself a bright fire in one of the rooms, placed the cutting board and knife beside it, and seated himself by the turning lathe. Ah, if I could but shudder, said he, but I shall not learn it here either. Towards midnight he was about to poke his fire. <laughs> Entendre's welcome, kiddies. <laughs> And as he was blowing it, <laughs> there's number two, same sentence. Let's start that sentence again. Towards midnight, he was about to poke his fire, and as he was blowing it, something cried suddenly from one corner. Ah, Mio, how cold we are. You simpletons, cried he. What are you crying about? If you're cold, come and take a seat by the fire and warm yourselves. And when he had said that, two great black cats came with one tremendous leap and sat down on each side of him, and looked savagely at him with their fiery eyes. After a short time, when they had warmed themselves, they said, Comrade, shall we have a game at cards? Why not, he replied, but just show me your paws. Then they stretched out their claws. Oh, said he, what long nails you have. Wait. I must cut them first a little for you. Thereupon he seized them by the throats, put them on the cutting board, and screwed their feet fast. I have looked at your fingers, said he, and my fancy for card playing has gone. And he struck them dead and threw them into the water. But when he had made away with these two, and was about to sit down again by the fire, out from every hole and corner came black cats and black dogs with red-hot chains, and more and more of them came until he could no longer stir, and they yelled horribly and got in his fire and pulled it to pieces and wanted to put it out. He watched them for a while, quietly, but at last when they were going too far, he seized his cutting knife and cried, Away with ye, vermin! and began to cut them down. 
Part of them ran away, the others he killed and the others he threw out into the fish pond. When he came back, he blew up the embers of his fire again and warmed himself. And he thus sat. His eyes would keep open no longer and he felt a desire to sleep. Then he looked round and saw a great bed in the corner. That is the very thing for me, said he, and he got into it. When he was just going to shut his eyes, however, the bed began to move of its own accord and went over the whole of the castle. That's right, said he, but go faster. Then the bed rolled on as if his six horses were harnessed to it, up and down, over thresholds and steps. But suddenly, Hop Hoppy turned over upside down and lay on him like a mountain. But he threw quilts and pillows up in the air, got out and said, Now, anyone who likes may drive, and lay down by his fire, and slept until it was day. <laughs> oh, if I only had an opening for an apprentice. <laughs> in the morning, the king came, and when he saw him lying there on the ground, he thought the spirits had killed him and he was dead. Then he said, After all, it is a pity. He is a handsome man. The youth heard it, got up and said, It has not come to that yet. The king was astonished but very glad and asked how he had fared. Very well indeed, answered he. One night is over, the two others will get over likewise. Then he went to the innkeeper who opened his eyes very wide and said, I never expected to see thee alive again. Hast thou learnt how to shudder yet? No, said he. It is all in vain, if someone would but tell me. The second night, he again went into the old castle, sat down by the fire, and once more began his old song, If I Could But Shudder. When midnight came, an uproar and noise of tumbling about was heard. At first it was low, but it grew louder and louder. Then it was quiet for a while, and at length, with a loud scream, half a man came down the chimney and fell before him. Hello, cried he. Another half belongs to this. This is too little. Then the uproar began again. There was a roaring and howling, and the other half fell down likewise. Wait, said he. I will just blow up the fire a little for thee. When he had done that and looked round again, the two pieces were joined together, and a frightful man was sitting in his place. That is no part of our bargain, said the youth. The bench is mine. The man wanted to push him away. The youth, however, would not allow that, but thrust him off with all his strength and seated himself again in his own place. Then still, more men fell down, one after the other. They brought nine dead men's legs and two skulls and set them up and played at nine pins with them. The youth also wanted to play and said, Hark you, can I join you? Yes, if thou hast any money. Money enough, replied he, but your balls are not quite round. Take a moment, laugh at it, and we'll carry on. <laughs> Then he took the skulls and put them in the lathe and turned them until they were round. There now, they will roll better, said he. Hurrah, now it goes merrily. He played with them and lost some of his money, but when it struck twelve, everything vanished from his sight. 
he lay down and quietly fell asleep. Next morning the king came to inquire after him. How has it fared with thee this time? asked he. I have been playing at ninepins, he answered, and have lost a couple of farthings. Hast thou shuddered then? Eh, what? said he, I have made merry, if I did but know what it was to shudder. The third night he sat down again on his bench and said quite sadly, If I could but shudder. When it grew late, six tall men came in and brought a coffin. Then said he, Ha ha, that is certainly my little cousin, who died only a few days ago. And he beckoned with his finger and cried, Come, little cousin, come. They placed the coffin on the ground, but he went to it and took the lid off. And the dead man lay within. He felt his face, but it was cold as ice. Stop, said he, I will warm thee a little, and went to the fire and warmed his hand and laid it on the dead man's face, but he remained cold. Then he took him out, sat him by the fire, and laid him on his breast and rubbed his arms that the blood might circulate again. As this also did no good, he thought to himself, when two people lie in bed together they warm each other and carried him to the bed, covered him over, and lay down by him. After a short time, the dead man became warm too and began to move. Then said to the youth, See, little cousin, have I not warmed thee? The dead man, however, got up and cried and said, Now I will strangle thee. What? said he. Is this the way thou thankest me? Thou shalt go at once into thy coffin and took him up, threw him into it, and shut the lid. Then came the six men and carried him away again. I cannot manage to shudder, said he. I shall never learn it here as long as I live. Then a man entered who was taller than all others, and looked terrible. He was old, however had a long white beard. Thou wretch, cried he. Thou shalt learn soon what it is to shudder, for thou shalt die. Not so fast, replied the youth. If I am to die, I shall have to have a say in it. I will soon seize thee, said the fiend. Softly, softly, do not talk so big. I am as strong as thou art, perhaps even stronger. We shall see, said the old man. If thou art stronger, I will let thee go. Come, we will try. Then he led him by dark passages to a smith's forge, took an axe, and with one blow struck an anvil into the ground. I can do better than that, said the youth, and went to the other anvil. The old man placed himself near and wanted to look on, and his white beard hung down. Then the youth seized the axe, split the anvil with one blow, and struck the old man's beard in with it. Now I have thee, said the youth. Now it is thou who wilt have to die. Then he seized an iron bar and be <laughs> beat the old man till he moaned and entreated him to stop, and he would give him great riches. <laughs> I have to say I absolutely adore this kid. <laughs> the youth drew out the axe and let him go. The old man led him back into the castle, and in a cellar showed him three chests full of gold. Of these, said he, 
One part is for the poor, the other for the king, the third is thine. In the meantime, it struck twelve, and the spirit disappeared. The youth, therefore, was left in darkness. I shall still be able to find my way out, said he, and felt about, found the way into the room, and slept there by his fire. The next morning the king came and said, Now thou must have learned what shuddering is. No, he answered. What can it be? My dead cousin was here, and a bearded man came and showed me a great deal of money below, but no one told me what it was to shudder. Then, said the king, thou hast delivered the castle, and thou shalt marry my daughter. That is all very well, said he, but I still do not know what it is to shudder. Then the gold was brought up, and the wedding celebrated, but... However so much the young king loved his wife, and however happy he was, he still always said, If I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. And at the last, she was angry at this. Her waiting maid said, I will find a cure for him. He shall soon learn what it is to shudder. She went out to the stream which flowed through the garden, and had a whole bucket full of gudgeons brought to her. At night, when the young king was sleeping, the wife was to draw the clothes off him and empty the bucket full of cold water with the gudgeons in it over him, so that the little fishes would sprawl about him. When this was done, he woke up and cried, Oh, what makes me shudder so? What makes me shudder so, dear wife? Ah, now I know what it is to shudder. <laughs> well, all's well that ends shaking, isn't it, kiddies? <laughs> That's all the time we have, and quite a mouthful it was, I should say. Tune in next time, where you already all know what fear is, don't we, kiddies? <laughs>